name is Hermine Hartman, and this is Indigo Studio. You know, we're living in a time of change, but is the change forward or is it backwards? We don't know. We have to figure it out. Black men seem to be under attack from white policemen as well as from each other. What's happening in urban America today where black men are getting killed? Getting killed for simple things. How do black men feel about it? How are they coping in this atmosphere that we live in today? We see black men killed for simple life deeds, everyday activity, where they think about it. And most of all, we've got to have the talk about the talk. We're going to talk to three black men about coping in today's world. Our guests are Mr. Jamal Green. He's an activist in Chicago. Mr. Carl West is the publisher of TPT News, an online publication. And Clifton Pierce is an entrepreneur and podcaster from the Nick Cannon Media Group. Conversation is going to be real. It's going to be relevant. Let's talk about it. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about men. We're talking about black men. We're talking about black men in America with black men. So let me ask you all, let me just do a general question. We see so much violence in the street. We see the policemen shooting young black uh, men. What's it like being a black male in America today? Ms. Pierce, let's start with you. Just recently, LeBron James and Terrell Owens said that when the police stop them, they get scared. That's a subliminal message there. You're telling these other black kids, get scared when the police come. Carl, what's your thought? And see, I mean, I have such a different take on this. Um, People talk about, men talk about, either ladies talk about having conversations with their black children about the police. And I have an 18-year-old daughter, and I've never had that conversation with her. I just don't think it's necessary to uh, put that kind of pressure on them to make them feel like they are different. The world gives them enough of that. But as a father, I'm not going to put this burden on my child's back talking about they have to act a certain way. I believe that if I raise my kid in such a way, she will know how to conduct herself. Because if a racist cop want to do something outrageous, he or she is going to do it regardless. I don't care. I don't care how how you perform in terms of hands up, stand wheel. We've seen it. So. Of course, raise her or him to be respectful children. If they encounter police, you know, kids going to do what they've been trained to do in terms of, again, being respectful. Uh, I just don't feel any fear of police. I just don't I don't want to walk around with that burden on my on my shoulder. It's enough. But you said you 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 have a you have a daughter. Yes. Are you not perhaps telling that because she is your daughter rather than your son? Well, I think Hermine, I mentor so many young brothers Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't tell them this. You wouldn't tell them that? No. Jamal, what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I kind of agree with Carl on that. Um, I think and I'm a father of three boys, right? Three, so okay. I'm I'm tasked with um, raising more black men, and of course, we understand what's going on in America. We understand the history, um, and I think that just needs to be taught of um, the type of world that we are living in, mm-hmm. um, and to raise the best, you know, children possible. Uh, to like he said, to be respectful, uh, and to just understand who they are. 
Uh, and then from there, you know, they will act accordingly when they get in those situations. But we all know what it means to be black and a black man in America. So as you perhaps or ha- let me ask the question first, have you ever been stopped by the police and had a fear of what could might happen to you? Uh, definitely. Never had a negative experience? Definitely. I think, uh, I mean, you know, I've been stopped as a young boy when I first got my first car uh, and literally pulled out of the car. You know, they infringed on my rights and everything. Well, I happen to have had an experience. First of all, I want everybody to realize that a lot of these Chicago police department, those guys come out the military to begin with. They're military minded to begin with. But I had an experience about 20 years ago. I was coming out the apartment lounge with a red suit, red hat and red shoes on. I'll just stop and when too. I walked to the car, they did a U-turn <laughs> coming back. And you know, they told me, all right, guy, put your hands on the, on the hood. You know how this go. And I said, man, I don't know how this go. Okay. So he said, okay, you smart. So he threw me in the back of the car, asked me for my ID. He said, yeah, you, your name Clifton Pierce? Yeah. You live such and such? Yeah, been there 50 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, so we run it, you know, at that time they were just starting to put in the little computers and stuff in the cars. And he said, man, you lying to me or what? I said, man, this is my name, this is my social security number, this is my whole nine yards. You know what he told me? He said, man, listen, I got to take you in. They just didn't believe no black guy uh, with a red suit on and hat at 3.30 in the morning don't have a criminal record. And I didn't have a criminal record. And at that time, the police department was stationed was on 76, 75th in Maryland. They took me there and handcuffed me to the wall. And so it was like 3.30, so they were changing shifts. So the other guy was coming there like, ooh, man, what we got? Prostitution? Uh, what is it? What, what we? He said, man, we don't know. We ain't got nothing on this M. You know? The red suit got you in trouble. They thought you was the devil. No, 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 respectfully. I'll arrest you too. Yeah, that's my plan. You, yeah. you got a red suit, red hat, red, red shoes. That's, I'm that's like, my that's, point. That's, that's a crime. It wasn't yeah. <laughs> guilty. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's my point. Yeah, bad, ain't bro. no way a guy your age looking like this and ain't got no criminal record. Okay. So, so do you still wear red suits? <laughs> I just haven't had on a gray one today. But the point I'm trying to say here is that I want to tell the truth. When they, because the other police was coming in, they was changing shifts. They said, man, what we got? I said, man, we don't know. We can't find nothing on this guy. They ended up taking me back to my car and apologizing. Oh, Because boy. I didn't have a criminal record. Not saying I hadn't done criminal things. <laughs> but uh, I didn't have no criminal say, record. Not that night, huh? Yeah, yeah, not that particular time. Let's, let's talk about the talk. We hear so much about, and I think, Carl, you alluded to it, that as our kids grow up, and they become the teenagers and they start driving the cars and they start going to the parties or they start going to college. That as families, be you black male, be you mother, but parents, we have what we call the talk with our kids to tell them how to act, how to interact with the policemen should they be stopped. Let's talk about the talk. What is the talk? What are the instructions? Because of the talk can be very viable to saving your life depending on, do I get mad? Do I get angry? Do I go in my pocket? Don't I go in my pocket? What's the talk for the young black male? Wow. Uh, again. You said why? No, I'm saying, well, what I was going to say is, is I just don't think that um, there should be a certain talk. I think it is just more viable to make sure that your kids understand 
who they are and where they come from and what's been going on in America. But if they're stopped so by the police, you don't, you don't want to give them instructions? Well, I think that comes with learning about the cases that have happened in America uh, and really knowing, you know, the, the, the state of America at that time. And I think once they understand that and understand, have that knowledge, they'll know how to act in that car. But Did I, your I parents have that. the talk with you? No. Carl? My parents you have never a daughter. had to talk with me. Never? Never had to talk with me. I just don't think they thought, well, my old man was a different kind of beast, so I'm going to leave him alone for a minute. <laughs> um, the police officer, again, they going to do what they do, how they do it, when they do it. You just hopefully be blessed enough not to stumble across some racist fool who decide he wants to make a name for himself because I see it being just that. These people know what they're doing. They're making a name for themselves uh, when they can shoot a Jacob in the back seven times or the other cops who just put the bag over the naked man's. I mean, that to me is just the most outrageous. And the brother who was standing there looking, I'm like, that's the dude I'm mad at. Mm. I know what to expect from these other people. They've been living like that against us all their lives. But the brother didn't have enough compassion to even get the dude a rag, a blanket out the car and wrap him up. I'm like, dude, you should be kicked. Your wife should kick you out the crib. Your kids should disown you because you a black guy. You need to know how this goes. On that note, we're going to be right back with further discussion with black men about black men in America today. Don't go away. We're guests here. Close the door. It's probably why our energy bill is so much higher than yours. You know, ComEd makes it easy to save money and energy. Hey, look, we even got an instant rebate on the smart thermostat. And rebates on Energy Star appliances, like this refrigerator. And this washer-dryer combo. Close the door! Find even more rebates from the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program at ComEd.com rebates. come and go in our lives, but we all know those few who never left, the partners who've always had you covered, that friend you consider the best, because that's how they make you feel. At Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, we know what it means to be there, guiding you toward a healthier state of mind, because the more we know as individuals, the healthier we all feel as a community, through it all. Closed captioning is sponsored by the Illinois State Lottery. Welcome back. Mr. Pierce, what's your feelings on the talk? You know, on that same instance when you're talking about these police, uh, you know what a standing army is? No. A standing occupied army. You know what an occupied army is? The point I'm trying to say, and I raised this question some years ago, I would say 95% of Inglewood is white. I mean, it's black, I'm sorry. But 95% of the police department over there is white. That's the standing army. Okay. We should have police that are relevant to the community. Yeah, if you're doing, you know, one of the things I just say, too, 
if you're doing business in my community, then you should bank in my community. You know, that's the way I feel about that. You know, and, and, and the fact that these black churches on Sunday, they collect all this money and go take it to a white bank that won't loan them a dime. So you're talking about investing and reinvesting. It's all about that. It's all about that. That's why I support Jamal, Jamal so much, because he's hollering at them people. You know, don't forget what Dorothy Tillman did. You dig what I'm saying? When she looked and saw Chase Bank and all these other banks and how they made money off the backs of slaves. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then we, you know, my friend Robert uh, Johnson wrote a book called Wake Up in Black America. We're marching back into slavery. We're, We're regressing, not progressing. So I want to do something now, and I want you all as black men to respond. Let's look at some incidents that have happened. And I want you to tell me how they might have gone differently. Now, you say you don't have the talk. You want your daughter to be free. I suggest if she was a boy, you might be telling her something different. Doubt You've it. got three boys. I doubt it. You might, maybe so, maybe not. You don't know. She's, a, I treat her a, like a boy. She's a boy in my mind. She ain't no boy. In my mind, she, she is, is not. Always she, been. Oh, stop it. up like a boy. Oh, stop, Carl. So, uh, <laughs> Jamal, you've got three young boys. Mm. And so we've seen these murders. We've seen these this police brutality. We've seen some boys get killed. What could they have done differently? Not the policemen, but the, what could these kids have done differently that might have saved their lives? The first one we want to look at is Trayvon Martin, 17 years old, killed, walking in his neighborhood that he that his parents lived in uh, with uh, uh, some Skittles. What could he have done differently? Be white. Just be what? Just another color. That's it. Carl? I don't think he could have done anything different. I mean, you know, what happened to him shouldn't have happened, but it did for all the wrong reasons and not the wrong reasons in in terms of him doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Someone, again, you stumble across an individual who has intent and it's a very unfortunate situation for um that young man and his family and his whole community, but there's nothing that he could have done different that would have that would have that would have saved his life on that particular there was, night. There was absolutely nothing that he did wrong. It was just he ran into a guy, like he said, who wanted to make a name for himself. Uh, you know, this climate is in the air now with Trump. This hostility is in the air, and it's, he's bringing out all the uh, prejudice that has been hidden. Mm-hmm. You know, and the racism. This, yeah, the racism that's been hidden. Let's look at another young man, Tamar Rice. He's 12 years old, and he was killed in Cleveland, Ohio. He was killed by a white police officer, and he was in the park playing with a toy gun. What might have been different? Are you serious? I'm serious. What could he have done different other than being a young man in the park playing like any little kid should be able to do? With a toy gun. Now, 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 that's the one thing as a parent. I would, I don't need, I'm just not a fan of guns anyway, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. I would not have given my child that type of toy, because that's what it was, a toy, to play with. Okay. Okay? His parents did. That still shouldn't have resulted in him being shot at close range by an adult trained police officer. There's nothing that he could have done. Right. He was, he was uh, 12 years old. 12 year old boy. (laughs) Um, playing with a a, a toy toy gun uh, that is legal. How how (laughs) does the policeman know it's a toy gun, not a real gun? Well, 
How does he once decide again, for that? Once again, when you're talking about police officers with intent, and you're talking about police officers who have their own agendas, uh, what you will have is they will act uh, as as they choose based on um, you know who they're looking at. And if that's if that was a white young boy playing with a real gun, <laughs> you could look at Kyle Rittenhouse mm-hmm. just in uh, in um, in Kenosha, seventeen years old, Kenosha, Wisconsin, walked across uh, uh, came across state lines, walked past police officers with an AR-15, a real gun, a real gun, shoot three people, still walked past police kill officers, killed two people, and killed two, still walked past police officers. And still got in the car, went back home across state lines and got a good night's rest. You would see that there's nothing that Tamir Rice could have done playing with a toy gun. It is all about the individual that's behind that badge. It's perception. You that shoot perception. a young boy, 12 years old, in his chest at close range. You meant to do harm. Yeah. 12 year old boy. Yep. I mean, you can't even phantom that. The hole was so big, it blew his chest out. Yep. What Come happens on. there, again, is uh, it's military-minded. First of all, they scared the black people. Here's another one. George Floyd. It's just unfortunate that um, we continue to see cases like Tamir Rice, like Laquan McDonald, like George Floyd, uh, and then folks take to the streets to continue fighting for reforms, and you have these uh, mayor, city council, and uh, even on a, the federal level, um, they all ignore the plight of those on the ground and they continue to use force, beating them even at protest, uh, all because they don't want, they are, they're blocking uh, our path to real change. What, and, uh, what is real change? What's the real change you would like to see? Well, what is it? What, what's it look like? The real change that I would like to see is that we stop investing into police and start investing uh, into people. You want to uh, de-invest? And definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that we, we do need to withdraw. Um, look at how we look at how I look at America. And this is on a grand scale. And then I bring it to the city scale. Even when we look at our military budget and how we treat other countries. We spend $900 billion a year to be, you know, all in force, all to, and how I look at it is to bully other countries. And even here in in city, in, in local cities, you look at the biggest budget is the police budget, is all in force uh, uh, to occupy these communities, right? So we occupy in other countries and now we occupy in urban communities. Uh, and then I walk in Lincoln Park and I shut down the Chase Bank last month. And when they responded, there's one officer in that car that responded. And he came in and all polite, like, all right, y'all, y'all done. They shutting down. And I went out. No other police cars came. And everybody steals all business as usual. Folks are jogging down the block. Uh, they got nice jobs. They they own their houses. They are um, uh, it's retail everywhere, community centers and gyms and probably five officers in the whole community. And so why doesn't why, why aren't we deserving of the uh, same the, the, the same type of investment? Mm-hmm. And it's all by design. These communities are designed to breed criminals so that they can put more money into the hands of white supremacists to occupy these communities. We have to divest from the police department. Also akin to the prison pipeline. All, 
I'll, I'll, hey, we invested in police and prisons. That, that's, that's what we're investing in for us. I want to stamp on though, and I think that's important to make sure we're clear on is that how do we get out of this? That's right. right? That's some solutions. And um, I can talk all day. And I, and as you guys know, I, I shut down banks and shut down a, a politician's house or office just to try to get resources. But the reality is what we have to do is we do have to start supporting each other more in the entrepreneurship uh, uh, capacity. Amen. And we got to start building up our own communities. I've been an entrepreneur 10 years and I got two more businesses opening up in the next month. And I think that if we start to build our own economy, we start collaborating, then we start just like what Mr. Pierce said, buying schools. I just bought a school. That'll be coming soon. I can't announce that. But starting to open up community centers, starting to open up centers where young people can learn all of these skills, we can start to control the education gap. We can start to build an economy in our neighborhoods, and we don't have to wait on the government to do what they're supposed to do. There you go. So we got we, we to work on both ends. Being self-sufficient. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey, we're guests here. Close the door. It's probably why our energy bill is so much higher than yours. You know, ComEd makes it easy to save money and energy. Hey, look, we even got an instant rebate on the smart thermostat. And rebates on Energy Star appliances, like this refrigerator. And this washer-dryer combo. Close the door! Find even more rebates from the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program at ComEd.com slash rebates. But we all know those few who never left. The partners who've always had you covered. That friend you consider the best because that's how they make you feel. At Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, we know what it means to be there, guiding you toward a healthier state of mind. Because the more we know as individuals, the healthier we all feel as a community. Through it all. I want to ask you something. Yeah. When you close the bank, what'd you cl- why are you closing the bank? What'd you closing the bank for? Well, uh, so WBZ, and they did some, some great reporting on the top uh, 12 banks in the city that does the most lending. And what they've done um, and released back in June um, was a report of the numbers of how much these banks were investing in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and how much were going to certain neighborhoods or certain demographics. And so what we found was Chase who's the largest bank, mm-hmm. had the worst record, all right? So $7.5 billion that they lended in, in home loans, uh, only 1.9% went to the South and West Side communities. And so we got to start looking at where the dollars are, and it's not just in our tax dollars, but we have a lot of deposit in these deposits in these big institutions. We got to hold them accountable um, for our share of wealth uh, in the city. And that's why we decided to start shutting down Chase, but they're not the only one. So you were tracing and tracking the flow of the money. The flow of the money. Okay. Let me thank you all for being with us today to talk about black men, talk about black men in America today, and to talk about the crime 
Final question. So we've talked about white policemen and the brutality that they do with black men, but what about the black on black crime? How do we resolve that? Well, those are two separate issues. I know they uh, are, and, but it's uh, all focused on black men. Right, yeah. I, I think that essentially when you are fighting systems of oppression, you're fighting black on black crime. When we talking about um, uh, investing in these neighborhoods, we're talking about black on black crime. When they are talking about stop investing money in the police and invest in the schools or in the mental health, you're talking about black on black crime. So yes, these issues are definitely intertwined, but you have to focus them, uh, uh, focus on them a little bit differently. There's no such thing as black on black crime. Let me say that. Okay. There's proximity violence. And so if you look in Latino neighborhoods, Latinos are shooting Latinos. You look at white neighborhoods, white people are committing crimes against white people. It's proximity violence. And we're segregated in Chicago, which makes it black on black. All right. So we have to start focusing on uh, neighborhood investment on the South and West sides. we got to hold the banks accountable. we got to hold the politicians accountable and we have to build an economy of our own. That's only way we'll be able to create opportunities for the next generation of young people so that we don't continue breeding criminals. Carl, your thoughts? Well, I agree with Jamal in this regard is that people uh, hurt people where they live, work and play proximity crime because again he pointed it out very ugly that if you look at any community when there's crime in those communities it's, it's perpetrated against each other right whether it be husband wife children the neighbor uh you you commit crimes in areas where you live work and play the unfortunate part is that black folks have become the new reality show so that means that when they have those weekend crime stats they only put the microphone on black communities as though no other community committed a crime over the weekend, which I continue to talk to our peers, you know, and we have media peers uh, that we share as friends and associates. And I'm like, you mean you tell me no white person did nothing over the weekend that was criminal? They had a great weekend, uh, I right? Mean, come on, you can't even get me to believe that knowing what I know. I call it I call it scoreboard reporting. Yeah. Inglewood ten. Garfield Park three. West side ten. I mean, it, it, it sounds like they're doing a game. Yeah, I mean it becomes just because we the easy reality show is cheap. Put the camera on, the, on on urban communities and and let's watch how ratings go up. Yep. Uh, and in conclusion to that, I mean, we have to admit that when people do commit crimes in any community, there's some sense of mental uh, disturbance going on for anybody to pull out a gun and just shoot randomly. And we know that mental illness is running rampant and not just our community and all communities that are dep- that are oppressed. And so we see young folks. And they commit crimes against each other because they live in in oppressed communities and they have mental illnesses that we have to pay attention to. Uh, There's no excuse for that whatsoever. But we have to know what prompts a 17 year old boy to shoot into a crowd. It's not that he's practical and logical. That's something terribly wrong with him. I want to thank you for watching Indigo Studio. And I want to thank J. Maul Green, Carl West, and Mr. Clifton Pierce for a lively conversation on Black men in today's society. See you next time.